Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Invisible London. If you ever get the chance, I would recommend taking a few minutes of your time to take a trip to Bank Underground Tube Station. Once there, take the exit and get yourself as close as you can to the centre of the two stone columns on the curving wall of the Bank of England. If you stand there with your back against the wall, not only will you be above one of the busiest station interchanges in the City of London, but you will also be standing nearly directly on top of one of the most infamous lost rivers of the city. The Walbrook River, running now as part of the huge network of sewers under your feet, flows down to join the Thames, just beneath Cannon Street Tube Station. This is a remarkable spot in the city, not just because it houses the busy Tube Station, the Bank of England, a covered river and a particularly impressive statue of the Duke of Wellington and a war memorial, but also because close to where you are now standing is the spot where the City of London was born. I recently read a uh, particularly wonderful book about the uh, subterranean city of London called London Under London, named by the uh, delightfully named Richard Trench, where he described the city as a time machine, and he's absolutely correct. This is the only city where you can plant your feet in two different hemispheres, the literal line zero at Greenwich. But also, by walking the streets, you can find yourself in two or three or four time zones all at once. A traveller walking down New Bond Street will pass the homes of both Jimi Hendrix and George Frederick Handel, who were next-door neighbours on Brook Street, just on the west side of Bond Street, separated only by a brick wall and some 200 years of history. If you continue to walk south down Bond Street, you will pass beneath one of the oldest privately owned statues in the whole of the city. It's easy to miss, but it's an uh, unassuming bust of the Egyptian lion-headed goddess Sekhmet, carved in black basalt around uh, 1,320 years BC. Uh, this was around the same time that uh, Tutankhamun died. Then, uh, some 3,300 years later, it was uh, sold at auction by Sotheby's, but the uh, buyer never came to collect. It sat in their archive until uh, it was later installed over the Bond Street address of the auction house, where it remains uh, on public display to this day. Rumour has it that uh, if anyone can prove that their ancestor purchased the piece for the uh, princely sum of £40 in the 1880s, they are more than welcome to uh, take it home with them. So, uh, as we're here, standing on the corner of the Bank of England, at uh, a fairly busy uh, intersection, you are standing on the spot where in AD 43 the Rome invaders set up their supply and uh, trading depot, and... Uh, well, came to be the city you see before you now, uh, was born. It was uh, originally sandwiched between the uh, Thames to the south and the uh, Walbrook River, uh, which is to the west. The, the Romans set up a pontoon bridge uh, that was built that uh, crossed south over into now uh, Southwark, but uh, at the time was known as the Southwark defensive line, which the Romans had set up. Um, to give you some idea of the uh, time scale here, it's entirely likely that the uh, Roman troops who were stationed here in AD 43 
had been serving soldiers at the time of the uh, supposed crucifixion of Christ, which was believed to have been sometime around AD 36. I have read uh, was a history book in the 1950s, which uh, a chap suggested that some of the same Roman legions who actually crucified Jesus were uh, the same ones that set up uh, Roman London, but uh, further research has uh, proved that to be uh, a bit of wishful thinking. It seems rather strange that uh, even to this day there is no clear consensus as to how the city of London got its name. The, uh, one of the earliest suggestions was by a chap called Geoffrey of Monmouth, who thought it could have been uh, derived from uh, an ancient King Lud who had captured this area uh, in pre-Roman times. Geoffrey of Monmouth, most famous for writing a uh, history book called The, uh, the History of the Kings of England, uh, which proceeded to link uh, the modern world as he knew it then uh, and the reign of kings back to King Arthur uh, and then all the way back to the founding of Britain. It was his theory that uh, Brutus of Troy, who had fought in the Trojan Wars uh, with a band of his warriors who were visited uh, in their dreams by the goddess Diana, who suggested they should cross over the oceans and come to a uh, mysterious island whereupon they can set up a temple to Diana. So Brutus and his men set sail. They travelled uh, many miles and eventually landed on the south coast of this mysterious island which they named after their triumphant leader Brutus and uh, Britain was born. Geoffrey of Monmouth goes on to describe how Brutus and his men have to wipe out a tribe of savage giants who were the only inhabitants of the island and uh, two of these giants are said to have been dragged and held in chains in the city of London outside Brutus's palace, where they were named Gog and Magog. And uh, representations of these giants are still paraded through the streets of London in the uh, Lord Mayor's parade every year. So as nice as all that sounds with uh, King Lud and the Brutus and giants, I think we can safely rule out uh, Geoffrey of Monmouth's uh, idea of how the city was named. But uh, most historians and Students of language now accept that it was a uh, Indo-European word, uh, Plaudonia, uh, meaning a fast-flowing river, with reference to the Thames, which was eventually became uh, sort of London, Londinium, and uh, that's how we uh, we got its name. And so this city uh, is here. It grew and it, it thrived, and uh, we come back to standing at the corner of the Bank of England with a busy road crossing in front of us. You are here in the middle of a convergence of five major roads which radiate out from this central point. Literally a, a huge five-pointed star, a pentagram, that most ancient and mysterious symbol used today by pagans and Wiccans and uh, believed to uh, contain some sign of sacred magical essence, whether it's protective or destructive. Uh, interestingly, uh, if you were to stand in Trafalgar Square, just at the base of the statue of Charles I, you're also in the centre of yet another pentagram. If you walk down the Mall towards Buckingham Palace, once again you'll find yourself in uh, the centre of yet another five-pointed star, with uh, Victoria's monument in the centre. This Buckingham Palace pentagram is particularly uh, unusual in as much as one of the five roads leads absolutely nowhere. 
In fact, it goes a few metres and then stops outside the Canada Gate at the base of Green Park. So a road to nowhere built in order to uh, fulfil the five-pointed star that you can see if you uh, open up an app uh, from actually anywhere in the world, if you want to have a quick look at this, it is uh, quite extraordinary to see. Now, of course, uh, all this could just be coincidence, but it's the very fact that features like this exist and that they're able to be visited and explored and photographed and collected, if you will, that is the reason why I thought I would start this podcast. I've uh, worked in London now for nearly eight years. I lived there for about five and I found myself collecting these strange facts, the little weird and wonderful stories and uh, histories and folklore from the places that I visited and books I read about these areas. And originally, these facts just started out as little throwaway pieces I could point out to my friends as we walked around from pub to pub or on a train journey or a bus ride, or that I could tell my colleagues over a morning coffee, but I soon began to sort of find wonderful links and coincidences which could connect two places, which would uh, bring a walk to life or would make me see a previously dull or commonplace location take on a whole new light. By learning about and visiting these places, it was possible to resurrect the inhabitants of a long-forgotten time, to unlock a bit of magic and mystery that's present here but sometimes hidden in this uh, amazing city which now some, I think it's over 8 million people, call home. What I wanted to do is bring together these loose jumble of facts and legends in my mind and try to create a bigger picture, a kind of map of the hidden history of London and its inhabitants, which is uh, what I hopefully will be trying to do in later episodes of this podcast. Together, I hope you will join me uh, every few weeks or so with each new episode in visiting these places, uh, whether that means you actually come and uh, stand in the middle of Leicester Square, or uh, you just listen in your car or at home. I'd like to share some of the mysteries and magic of this city, which fascinates me and so many others. I hope eventually this will become a kind of part lecture, part walking tour, part bedtime story that will um, flesh out some of the more uh, unusual areas of the city. And the next time that you are out and about with a friend or colleague, you can point at a statue or a plaque or a bridge you pass and you can let go with a little snippet of information uh, or a bit of a legend and not only will make you sound wonderfully entertaining and well-read, but also uh, put a little spark or twinkle of magic back into this city. So in future episodes, I'm going to be looking at uh, some other unusual areas of London. Um, I'll probably start off in Green Park and go around Buckingham Palace a little bit more uh, in-depth. And uh, hopefully we'll go on and we'll look at other areas, other places of London, um, other famous people who have lived here, uh, the weird and the wonderful, some of you have heard of, obviously, and some of them that uh, may be a little less well-known. But I hope uh, whatever it is, it'll uh, give you something to think about. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my name is George Sanderman and you've been listening to episode one of Invisible London. Uh, if you'd like to see some more of the places I've visited or will be visiting, uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, which is at uh, The Invisible London, all one word. Also, there is a uh, sort of proto-Facebook group at the minute, which you can 
find by searching on Facebook for Invisible London and a cult guide to the city. If you have any emails or questions or suggestions or comments about this first episode or perhaps things you'd like to learn more about in future editions, you can also email me at uh, invisiblelondon at mail.com. Uh, mail, M-A-I-L. Um, but uh, thank you very much indeed for listening and uh, hopefully I'll speak to you again soon.